What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. Today marks one month of the Saturday is Dadderday podcast. A huge thank you to everyone who's given us a shot. We have a little bit of a unique episode today. I'm going to sprinkle these types of episodes in every two or three or four weeks. And today is a great one with two guys, Tanner and Matt, of Whiskey Dads. And we're going to break down, as you might have guessed, whiskey, scotch, and bourbon. Enjoy. All right, so I'm going to tell both of you guys a story about the drunkest that I've ever been that I can remember um, in my entire life. And this was, I was 25, 24, and I'm 39 now. So I lived up in Wisconsin, Green Bay area, after college with a friend, and we were drinking uh, bourbon old fashions in pint glasses down in the basement of his house all night. So he had to carry me up the stairs uh, to the main floor. I threw up all over myself while on the toilet, threw my pants in the garbage, walked uh, upstairs to bed naked from the waist down, and my my roommate's mother was staying over that night too, so that was that was fun. Uh, and then the next day, I uh, was at brunch with everybody and spent a good three to five minutes, I would say, legitimately trying to figure out why I could not put my seatbelt on while sitting at the restaurant table. So. <laughs> And with that note, I welcome Tanner and Madden. So thank you guys for joining me. Oh, man. All right. Well, I'll, I'll give one for both of us. And uh, that, that way, I know Matt probably doesn't want to share as much, but uh, that's totally fine. But uh, for me, so I played uh, college basketball. And um, we in, in college, we would uh, help the volleyball team out with uh, calling lines. And so me and my roommate did that to make a little extra side cash. Um, and one day we had a, a game that we were supposed to go call and it was supposed to be an afternoon game and my roommate and I were kind of, you know, having breakfast and he was like, man, we should make, you know, some tequila sunrises. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but okay, it sounds good. And <laughs> so we, uh, we proceed to make a few tequila sunrises and two or three drinks later, we realize it's time to go. And, uh, we are not in a state to be probably, uh, leaving the house, let alone uh, calling uh, NCAA volleyball game lines. And so, but needless to say, we wanted to stay true to our job. So we go out and uh, we get somebody to drive us over to the gym and um, we uh, we come together. You know, we have about an hour or so that we have to be there early. So we get there early and we kind of caught, you know came together and said, all right, here's the deal. We're going to tell each other on a number scale kind of where we're at each time that there's a break in the action because when there's a break in the action you come together you meet uh with the other referees or umpires and kind of just discuss the game and what's going on so we kind of had to put that in place so we started off probably about an eight or nine and uh each time we came together those numbers were getting lower and lower and we i, I swear i've never been so paranoid calling volleyball lines in my entire life <laughs> The best part about it is about two weeks later, the volleyball coach um, of the school we were at um, comes up to us while we were walking to class one day and she goes, hey, I just wanted to stop you guys and talk to you about the game last week when you guys were calling lines. And both of us just, our hearts dropped and we we're like, oh gosh, what is going to happen? And she said, I got the best compliment from the other coach today about how we have the best line judges in the entire conference. And so we got wow, wow. the uh, approval stamp of her and she had no idea and we were just so nervous, but it turned out to be a pretty cool uh, story, I guess. So 
That's great. So there you go, kids. Everybody, All the children listening at home, it's okay to be drunk at work. No problem. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. As I said, Tanner and Matt here from Whiskey Dads. And thank you guys for joining me. Uh, the goal of this conversation here is to sort of just get a little more acquainted uh, for the average dad out there that might not know as much. They might be at the bar and say, sure, I'll have a whiskey or, or they order... Um, whatever, pick your bourbon, pick your scotch, and they don't really necessarily know what it is, where it's from, and they might not like it, but they might not realize that's because they might be picking something that they wouldn't like if they knew what some of the details were. So I wanted to see if you guys could sort of walk us through just real basic 101 stuff. What is a whiskey? What's the difference between a whiskey and a bourbon and a bourbon and a scotch? And while you do that, I will sit back and sip on my Isaac Bowman straight bourbon whiskey finished in port barrels. Nice. Very awesome. Very awesome. Hey, this is Matt here. So we'll try to keep it as simple as possible starting out. As far as whiskey goes, whiskey is a distilled grain spirit. So the key word there is grain. Whereas, uh, that it differs from a tequila or a scotch. Your starting point is with grain. The starting point to make whiskey, they start with a mash. Uh, that's where you take your various grains that make up a whiskey and they are, they're brought together in a mash. And then they add an enzyme that allows it to be fermented. And after fermentation pl- takes place, they distill the resulting product. The distilled fluid that comes out of that is what is then taken and put into a barrel and aged and becomes a whiskey. Really what separates them is the type of grain that is used. Uh, the most, the more popular ones are going to be your bourbon and your scotch, uh, at least here in America. And the biggest difference here is that a scotch typically starts out with a malted barley and and then that is made into a mash the main difference in whiskeys is as far as like a scotch versus a bourbon is a scotch is going to start out with a malted barley as the mash and then whenever it goes through that process and is distilled it results in a different type of flavor profile scotch has to be made in scotland and to be called scotch there are american single malts that are similar in profile but they're not scotch because scotch is made in scotland the big difference with bourbon is the mash bill typically starts out much different with what the starting point is you'll start out with corn corn has to make up the majority of a bourbon so at least 51 percent of bourbon starts out with corn and the rest of that is typically made up by a wheat and rye combination you'll get different different taste profiles out of that based on how much you put in that and rye is really popular in america as well so similarly rye is also 51 percent rye rather than the corn with a bourbon though you have to be aged in new charred oak barrels and that's there that's a legal reasoning that is put over that in america and it's not actually bourbon unless it is in new oak it's an interesting concept there. There's there's a lot of other types of deals. Canadian is really popular. And then also Irish is a big category yeah. in line with like your scotch type of mash bill. The other one that's really growing actually is Japanese. And Yes, yes. So we have not actually had the big, uh, we have not been that fortunate in trying a lot of Japanese yet, but I know that they get a lot of inspiration from 
the, the Scottish and their process there. And so that's something that we have on our radar to really check out more in the future. But it is a really a growing category. Yes, and I, I've had some friends of mine that live in the Houston area, and they're always telling me, you got you to gotta jump on that wagon. You got to start trying some out. And I said, okay, yeah, give, give me a minute. Cause like, I have, literally have no idea. I mean, I would just be walking in with a blindfold and pointing at a bottle. Yeah. You know, like, like, you know, if, if you don't, if you don't know what you're doing, don't do the research. Like, well, this one's $40 and some other bottles I have that are $40 are pretty decent. So let me, let me, grab <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's definitely something that's, and even in our limited experience with it, I mean, we've, we've been going at this for a while now, but there's just so much to try. And so it's, it becomes hard to settle on one thing. So, I, and I don't know if you guys experienced this at all um, with with work, but before uh, the pandemic and all this, uh, traveled a little bit, I did. I sort of, over the last five to seven years, kind of discovered this whole category of spirits, uh, which when I was a kid, I thought they were called sprites. <laughs> but I kind of discovered it because I'd be at hotel bars, right? And they had a, a much more approachable selection, right? You walk into a Total Wine or, or something like that. It's like, I have no idea where to, you know, like, sure, any of this looks good. All of it looks good. I don't know. But I kind of started plucking off bottles and trying stuff. But my issue was I didn't know where to start, right? So like I started with Jameson. Everybody's familiar with JMO. And then somebody was like, oh, you should try McAllen. I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw that in a James Bond movie. I should try McAllen. And I was like, whoa, that kind of slaps you across the face if you're not prepared for it. Yeah. And then I started to like Blanton's and then John Wick came along, son of a bitch. And now you can't buy a bottle of Blanton's anywhere. So if if someone is starting out, right, someone who's sick of beer or maybe just wants a break or they're they're looking for something different when they're out with their wife or their friends, do you guys have any recommendations of, of where to start that's sort of a... Uh, a training wheels, uh, whiskey or bourbon or scotch or something just to sort of get people a gateway, if you will, gateway, a gateway drug of one of these drinks. Yeah, man, for sure. That's a really good question. And that's one thing that we were asking ourselves a while back, you know, before, whenever I first started, I think Matt's experience is very similar is I would go to a liquor store. I would buy one bottle I would take it home and I would drink it over the next month or two, whatever it was. And then I would go back and then I would grab a different bottle. And what I what we kind of figured out and learned is it's really hard to understand what you like when you're just trying one thing at a time. And so I think whenever you're getting into whiskey, you do need to, you know, we can I'll give you I'll give you some ideas as far as where to kind of what to grab first, but I think it's important if you really want to understand what you like that you've got to be able to compare it almost at a side-by-side level um, to where you can maybe pour one drink and then taste that pour another drink of a different bottle, taste that and decide, okay, I really like this one versus this one. Um, and something that kind of has helped us a lot understand kind of where we fall on our flavor profile. But a couple of bottles that um, are really good um, for beginners. I think with beginner, you you know, you don't want to spend a ton of money because you don't really know what you're buying. And so it's important to find a good budget bottle is kind of the way we describe it. Um, and a good way, a good rule of thumb is to really look at the proofs so you can kind of understand the strength of the, of the drink. So something with a lower proof is going to be less strong. Um, and it's going to be a little bit more watered down and it's going to be easy for somebody who's just getting into, you know, drinking whiskey, um, straight or just over ice or something like that. It's going to kind of help them, uh, acclimate their palate if you will. And so a couple of bottles that we would kind of start with or recommend um, would be Buffalo Trace. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very available bottle. It's relatively well-priced um, and you can pretty much go into any liquor store now and grab it. And it's going to be, a, it's going to be 
complex but not overwhelming um, and it's also going to be smooth. It's like a good basic one to start with. It's something that uh, Matt and I like to always have in the cabinet, even after we've been trying all kinds of different stuff. So that's a really good entry level one. Um, another one that uh, we would probably highly recommend is um, Eagle Rare. Now, if you can't find that, it's, sometimes it's tough to find in certain areas. So I hate saying that, but it's a 10-year it's a bourbon, which so that means it's been aged 10 years. Um, it's really good um, and it's something that's relatively on the cheap end. Now it is getting tougher to find, but uh, if you ever see it on the shelf, I, I would highly recommend that. And I don't know, Matt, do you have any suggestions? I agree with you on the Eagle Rare, uh, as long as it's at, at retail price. That's yeah. one thing that we may want to allude to a little bit is that there's a secondary market in whiskey that you start learning about as you get more into it and they'll be selling your Eagle Rare for $80, $90 on that secondary market. Retail price is oh, 28 bucks. Yeah. So we, we're we all about retail price, not big supporters of the secondary market. And so, but that also kind of helps you have more fun with the whole hunt process of finding stuff. I absolutely love Early Times Bottled and Bond. It is a, it is a brand that just full of flavor, just it's a phenomenal bourbon, especially getting into it. It's got so much more flavor profile than a lot of the uh, lower priced options. Um, unfortunately, their brand just got sold to to the Sazerac company, which is, um, they own tons of brands. Buffalo like Trace, the Blanton's you're talking Blanton's, about. Yeah. So we're scared that they're going to be, because it's like a $20 bottle or $25 bottle right now. We're scared that it's going to be hard to find. But... If you can find it, it's definitely worth grabbing a couple of bottles of it because it's it's just got a, it's got a lot of flavor for the price point. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you can't argue with that price. I mean, hell, that's as much as a twelve pack of beer and some <laughs> some for some beers. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing is that we want to uh, encourage is that there are a lot of great options out there. Yes, there's some really rare stuff that's hard to find, and you're really excited when you find it. There is so much good juice sitting on the shelf. Um, all right, so that's awesome. That's a pretty nice breakdown of, of sort of the basics. Um, thank you guys for doing that and putting it in, in terms that everybody can understand. I know I certainly struggled, and I think uh, as guys, whether it's with this or with some topic, maybe pride, maybe ego, maybe embarrassment gets in the way of sort of asking someone like, hey, can you kind of explain this to me? I really don't know, and you just sort of fake it till you make it. So. Um, I appreciate that, uh, as evident by me when I used to call balconies balconies. So oh, thank you. nice. Yeah. Uh, so we're in the thick of summer. Uh, if in case you guys haven't noticed, it's uh, we've been averaging over a hundred degree temperature the uh, the last uh, last week or so here in the DFW area. So as we're in the summer, what recommendations would you guys have for a bottle or two uh, for the summertime for sipping? whether it's sipping by itself, uh, maybe mixing a, a cocktail with it, something like that. Do you guys have any recommendations for July, August? Here's a good bottle that's uh, that's not going to feel like it should be reserved for November, December. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of uh, Larceny. It's a Heaven Hill product. Yep. It has a, a little bit higher wheat base in the mash bill, which gives it a, a little bit more of a sweetness when it's used in mixed drinks. Uh, mixed drinks are great in the summer, obviously, so it's perfect for a highball or an old-fashioned or something like that. The The wheat base of it really goes well with like the sweetness of a mixed drink to really cool off and refresh. Nice. All right. 
for me, man, I would I would probably go with uh, a Wild Turkey 101. I think it's just a really good all-around. It's always on the shelf. Um, it's it's going to be a little bit higher proof, so if you do decide to mix it or throw some ice in there, it's, it's going to keep its flavor and it's not going to lose too much. Sometimes when you get a lower proof and you throw in ice or something like that, it's going to water it down a lot and you're going to lose a little bit of that flavor. And so Wild Turkey 101, 101 is the proof, and so... Um, you're getting a little bit of a higher proof, and it's it's good if you want to cool it down. You just made me think of that about the ice, and I wanted to ask your your opinion. What would you recommend for beginners when it comes to ice? Would you recommend a, a single cube or two? Obviously, the big blocks, if you can get that at a bar or something. But do you guys have any recommendations on on what to do with your with your ice? I think if I was telling somebody new, I would say do what feels comfortable to you. I mean, I don't, I think that the big thing is everybody kind of has this idea in their head that you have to drink whiskey neat or you have to drink it with a little bit of water. You have to drink it with ice, you know, and if once you really start getting into the, uh, the industry of people that actually enjoy it, there's, there's one of every kind of person out there. And so I think, you know, whatever feels most comfortable to you, do it, see if you like it, and then try something different next time if you don't. And just kind of be, you know, explore a little bit. I mean, I'll be honest, I mixed a lot of mine whenever I first started. Um, And then as I kind of started appreciating, you know, finer whiskey and actually getting to taste the flavor of it, I kind of backed off on all that. Um, I don't know if that really kind of skirts the question, but no, 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 that's, that's great. I mean, that's, you know, it's like, how do you like your steak done? Well, it's like, however you like it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Now we're talking about, let's see, we've got some people here that are listening that are experienced drinkers, more experienced drinkers. They, they have a few bottles in the cabinet like myself, but I don't really know that much. Uh, what would be a bottle you'd recommend to splurge on? This is a little bit of a cop out. Um, but if you see an, old rip van winkle 12 or 15 now the problem is is finding it it's 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 impossible to find <laughs> the holy grail if you see one and it's under 150 dollars. yeah 15 maybe under <laughs> no, no. 250 yeah. but yeah those are those are those are easy but i'll i'll, uh, I'll actually go with uh, a different route on that something that i've seen one time ever and i kind of regret not buying it was a wild turkey master's keep 17 year and uh it's about 150 dollars so it's definitely on the expensive side but it's also a 17 year age product that's um it's it has really cool reviews and everything It, it sounds like something that you would not drink much of it's just a sipper very oaky from the age but just entirely unique difference than anything you're gonna find on the shelf normally so for me, I'll give something to the listeners that they can actually go find on the shelf because, uh, you know, it's one of those things like we're always hunting bourbon. So if we see something that's out there that we're like, oh, my gosh, we hadn't seen this. It's at a decent price or it's around retail. We'll, we'll jump on it. Um, and so that's one of the things we're always doing. But if you're like, hey, I, it's my birthday and I don't know if there's going to be a bottle there. Well, this one will definitely be there. And that's Old Forester 1920. And I say spend up. When I say that, that's around a sixty to sixty-five dollar bottle. If you can find it for under sixty, you're you're doing really good. Um, but to me, that's spinning up. So most of the bourbon on our shelves or the whiskey on our shelves is around the forty to sixty dollar range, with a few bottles that have kind of gone above that. But for from our experience, you can find excellent juice at around that price. And so to us, spending up is anything over sixty. Something more adventurous, right? So I kind of found things that I like. I have a collection of, you know, 
10 bottles, if you can call that a collection. And that's what I rotate. They're all approachable, they're all affordable, but that's sort of what I what I find. But if there's something I say, okay, I'm going to try something new, I got to I gotta branch out, uh, where would you tell someone who already has their collection at home, hey, here's something kind of bonkers, but it's totally worth it, it's totally off the wall, but you're, you're totally going to dig it. Okay, so I, I am a little bit more of a fan of scotch than Tanner is. And one thing about Scotland is it's, it's broken up by region on the different flavor profiles. There's the Highland region and the Speyside region, which are your malted barley, more, uh, more floral, fruity notes, and something like a McAllen, as you mentioned earlier. But then if you go down to the Isla region, which is a whole other ballgame, is it's they call it peated whiskey, and it's still a single malt and everything, but what they do is they're, it's aged in barrels that were smoked in peat moss. And it's a, you may have seen a Lafroig or a Bunnahabin on the shelf or something like that. It's a yep, whole yep. different category. And it's not for everybody, but it is definitely extremely unique to try out. Um, I like the medium to lightly peated type of whiskeys. I haven't quite gotten on board with the heavily peated. Um, it's definitely a really smoky kind of campfirey taste. Which is, but it is really unique, and they say that one in four people will like it right off the bat. So again, Not just nice. a reminder, the Isla is their region. So Isla is kind of what you're looking for on that scotch um, whenever you're trying to find something there. Uh, for me, kind of an outside of the box um, thing to do, with, and, and if that's if you have some stuff on the shelf already, is to go to a local store and see if they have any um, store picks. So what that is, is basically they, they'll get a group of people together and they'll go and they'll actually select a barrel to be bottled for their store personally. And so it's not anything that you can find anywhere else outside of that uh, retailer. And a lot of times that is, that's where you can find some of the best um, bourbon. Now it's important when you are looking through those store picks that you don't overpay because sometimes they'll mark those up a lot because it is expensive for a store to go and do that to go and they select their certain barrel and then they bottle that barrel. But typically what that means is that somebody who loves bourbon or loves whiskey goes out and they try a bunch of different bottles from that distillery and they say, I want this one to be bottled for me. And so you'll find some really good things that are a little bit outside of the box or a little more creative. Um, They're trying it straight from that barrel in, in the rick house there at the distillery so a store pick and you just kind of have to go and ask somebody you know you can't be shy just ask the your local liquor store or somebody like that you're not going to find them as much at chain chain liquor store it's going to be more of the smaller ones um and just say hey do you guys have any store picks or do y'all have any coming out soon and um so yeah i would recommend that that's great well, and before we get out of here i definitely wanted to talk to you guys and just get your feedback as to why you started Whiskey Dads and, and what the passion is behind that and how you guys came together. Well, I'll start. I'll, I mean, so the way it started is we started getting into bourbon and whiskey and Matt and I worked together. And so we were always at the office and, you know, he'd come into my desk and all we'd be talking about was whiskey or bourbon is like, oh, we need to try this or we need to try that. Or what is this? Who? What distillery is this? And, uh, you know, what proof is that? And, and so we just kind of started getting into it. And then from there, we kind of were like looking around and it's like, okay, well, we don't really have any other friends that like whiskey or bourbon as much as we do or are into it as we are. And so like, what are some ways that we could maybe like, you know, grow that? So the first thing we wanted to do was start a podcast, like, hey, let's start a podcast. And both him and I uh, were just really busy and we're like, have no idea on the first thing of starting a podcast to begin with. So I was like, okay, well, maybe this is a little ambitious. So 
Matt uh, and and his wife and kind of me a little bit decided, hey, why don't we start an Instagram and just kind of get into it that way and just see, you know, how things go. And uh, yeah, I don't know if Matt has anything to add, but. Yeah, my wife was really influential on that. She kept saying like, well, you need to get an Instagram and see if there's any kind of base to continue to to continue to pursue this hobby with. And we're only a couple of months in here and it's not a huge quantity, but we've got over a thousand followers and stuff. But that and it's not about that. It's been more about the relationships we've been able to make and the different people in the community that you're able to reach so they may not be here in the same town as us or whatever it may be but there's a dude you can send a message to and be like hey man i've been looking for this bottle they don't have it here in texas do they have it in florida he's like oh yeah i can get you one of those can you get me one of these and it's a real it's just been a really interesting process just kind of meeting new people that are in the community that have the same hobbies as us that's great and you're totally right i mean with with Instagram, it's just eye-opening that how many people you can connect with all over the country, all over the world, the commonalities, and, and you can start just creating the secondary market of your own of like, hey, you get me this bottle, I'll get you that bottle, I'll send you a cigar, you get me one of these. <laughs> that's exactly right, man. So, And that's the other thing that's fun. It's like if people have questions, I mean, shoot us a DM or, or comment on a picture or something like that. I mean, whiskey underscore dads and we just love engaging with people and answering questions and giving our opinion and you can take it or leave it. We won't be offended either way. That's kind of the fun part about the bourbon community. There's not a whole lot of judging or strong opinions either way. So at whiskey underscore dads is, is the Instagram account. Do you guys have anything planned uh, before the end of the year for the account? Are you guys going to be reviewing anything special or uh, I know you're limited as far as visiting distilleries and stuff like that, but do you guys have, have you thought about anything? Yeah, so we've already done two giveaways. We did a 100 follower giveaway. Um, and then we actually tonight just selected our 1000 follower follower giveaway that we did. Um, and we plan to do more of those in the future as we get more followers. We're not exactly sure what marks we're going to do yet. So either 2000 or 2500. But I would expect we would get another one, um, hopefully uh, done this year for sure. And then as far as our content goes, I mean, we, we like to really stay true to whiskey dads because I think that that's truly who likes to drink bourbon is just dads that are drinking whiskey. And hopefully as we get older, you know, it will we'll grow. And so we, we like to keep it fun loving like that. But um, Matt, do you have anything to add? We, we try to throw in little pictures with the kids blurred in the background or something like that, doing something silly or a, a story with your kid nagging you while you're just relaxing on the back porch or whatever it may be. <laughs> but uh, it's it's really been a lot of fun and we're not – that far into this journey, but uh, we're really just thrilled with the, the support and the people that have reached out to us and followed our posts, and um, we're hoping that that can lead to more in the future. Well, that's great. Well, well, you've got at least one fan here in North Texas up in Prosper, so thank you guys uh, so much for taking time out of your busy schedules with, uh, with families to, to chat and educate me and the listeners, and we will certainly make sure to promote you guys and give you as much pub as we can on our side here. So I really thank you guys for taking some time. Perfect, man. Thanks for having us on. You're keeping our podcast dreams alive. <laughs> That's awesome. Heck yeah. If you need any help with it, let me know. Bring it in. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Again, you can check out Tanner and Matt at their Whiskey Dads Instagram account, which is whiskey underscore dads. So go check them out. Give them a follow. They have really cool content. 
and I know they're trying to grow their following. So any support you can give them will be much appreciated. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week. And remember, Saturday is Dadder Day.